Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father, in this glorious world that you created and you filled it with so many things, so many spectacular things, the sky, the mountains, the trees, the animals, other people. Lord God, you gave us hobbies, things to chase. Father, we set all that aside right now and we look and we simply say, Lord, it is you that I want. It is only you. Help us to put our priorities in the correct order, Father. So much is happening in this world, and there's so many distractions from pleasures to fears. Lord God, help us to stand and identify those distractions and come back to you. Father, we thank you for so much. We thank you for our very life. But Lord God, we thank you for how you have equipped each one of us, what you have have gifted each one of us. Lord God, help us not to take any of that for, for granted. Lord God, help us not to, to put that on a, a lower rung of the ladder than maybe somebody else's gift. Lord God, we're all guilty of that and we repent of that right now. So Jesus, be glorified today. Jesus, be lifted high today. Jesus, let your powerful and mighty name ring not only in this church but in this community and Lord God I pray that because this community is our focus we pray that for the entire world but Lord our heart is in this community the despair, the discouragement the blatant sin, the hatred the corruption, the demonic activity, by the name of Jesus we stand against those things and we declare that we will be a light into this community under the banner of the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, our Savior, the first the last, the Alpha the Omega the one with the sharp two-sided sword but with the love, compassion, mercy, and grace that is waiting for each one of us. Today, we declare the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Go forth today. Lord God, in all we do, go forth today. In this coming week, Lord God, go forth today. I am not praying to ask you that you simply stock up and sustain us until next Sunday because that's not your plan. Your plan is to feed us today. Your plan is to to allow us to edify each other today. Your plan is for the church to gather today. But tomorrow, your plan is, is that we seek you just as much as we seek you today and every day that follows. So Jesus, be glorified in all that we do, all that we say every action that we do, every, everything that we partake in, Jesus, be glorified. We pray this in your mighty and awesome name. And everybody shout it out. Amen. Amen. You guys are getting good at shouting. I still like louder shouting, though. Guys, have a seat. When Dave was singing and talking, and boy, he, uh, he actually 
I was so afraid you were going to ruin my message today. But you didn't. You just you gave an appetizer for it and it, and it, and it always works out so so perfect. How tragic is that for someone to say, I have to sit in the back of the church because of my sins. It's, it's like, gosh, you're not, you're not understanding. You're not understanding that your sins are truly forgiven through the blood of Jesus. You've been made clean. I don't know that we as the body, we as believers are engaging the name of Jesus as much as we should be in our lives. How many of you in here can confidently say, oh, no, I'm there. I'm engaging the name of Jesus in my life just the perfect amount of time. If you raise your hand, I would like for you to uh, explain to me what the perfect amount of time is. Because, man, if I could engage the name of Jesus every millisecond of my life, it would still fall short. But far too many of us breeze out of here on a Sunday. Whenever I get done, that could be mid-morning and everybody said no. And I could say that could be noon and everybody would say no. And when we get around to leaving this church on Sunday, some of us walk out of here and we put the name of Jesus kind of, maybe tuck it in our wallet, put it in our Bible, and we don't, we don't use the name of Jesus very often. I want to encourage you guys to, to, to bring out the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus is powerful. Oh my goodness, it's powerful. The demons, they don't dislike the name of Jesus as much as they have to flee from the name of Jesus. We don't understand the power of the name of Jesus. And we need to start trying to understand it and putting it into our life on a regular basis. The name of Jesus, it is the name that is above all names. There is nothing over the name of Jesus. When we invoke the name of Jesus, we're pulling together all parts of the Trinity, aren't we? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's be, let's be invoking that. Let's bless people in the name of Jesus. Let's just speak of Jesus in a regular basis. When we pray to Jesus, talk to Him with His name. Jesus. Jesus, I need you today. Jesus, thank you for this. Jesus, the blessing that you just bestowed on my life, it was amazing. Jesus, I'm, I'm having fear right now. And by your name, cast that fear out, right? Anxiety, depression, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all subservient to the name of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Kids, you guys ready to roll? Yeah, coming fresh off a of camp. Yeah, you guys, you can go. Let's see how fast they got energy. They got I, I, Doyle and Amy. I don't know that they have that same energy back yet after, after a week at camp. But they had a they had a good time. Couple couple quick announcements I want to go through. I don't have slides for everything. Um, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. is Brian Sapala's memorial service here, right here. So please come. Um, it's a memorial service. It's a celebration of life, right? That's what it is. So come and, and, and let us gather together and remember and celebrate uh, Brian. Um, Brian didn't go here for years and years and years. He's relatively new. So some of you may not, may not know Brian very well, but I would invite you to still come. Still come. Marlene is still here. Get to know her. Um, we as a body, we as a church need to come together and, uh, and just love on people. All people! 
especially people that are going through a transition in their life. I'm not going to say tragedy. I'm going to say transition because that's what it is. Brian has, has made the transition into glory. Good for him. Easy for him. Hard for the ones that he leaves behind. So please come out tomorrow. There will be a, um, a, a reception afterwards. So let's all gather together and celebrate that. And speaking of celebrating, <clears throat> most everybody knows this by now, but maybe not everybody knows this right now. Saturday, July 30th at 9 a.m. here, I'm going to marry a couple youngsters. Mike and Gail's... <laughs> Mike and Gail's wedding, their marriage um, will be here. Some of you guys don't know any of the backstory on this. It is so wonderful. It is so awesome. I am, I've known about this longer than probably anybody, and I've just been, okay, I say it, I've been giddy over it. I've been giddy, giddy. It's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great thing. So Saturday, this coming Saturday, July 30th, 9 a.m., be here so that we can celebrate, we can witness what God is doing in these two youngsters' lives. And then, then they're heading out. Man, we're going we're gonna to do the wedding, um, and then they're gone. They are leaving. They are skipping town. As they should. But then the following uh, Sunday, August 7th, August 7th, after church, um, there'll be a reception for them. So um, we're just going to do burgers and brats and dogs and all that stuff. Um, it'll just be a great time. Even if you don't know Mike and, and Gail, you come anyway to get to know Mike and Gail and get to know each other. Amen? So there's uh, details on that in the bulletin, so just pr please, uh, please look at that. Of course, backpacks are going on. Um, grab your backpack. It's, it's on the table. Here's the ideal situation is that all the backpacks would be gone today so we don't have to move those for the memorial service tomorrow, right? Wouldn't that be much easier if we just got rid of them today? Um, if not, we'll move them. We'll have them back out the next couple of Sundays. We, we need those back really ASAP. The sooner they come back, the better, but the drop-dead date, is it the 14th? The, the drop-dead date is the 14th, and if you forget that, bring them back. I know how to do these things on the 21st, so, so grab those backpacks, do it up. Um, going to be awesome. Like I said last week, Salvation Army was kind of asking, hey, we've got parents calling. Are you going to do that again? What a great thing. Now remember, you put a handwritten note in there encouraging. You don't know what kid is going to get it. Pray. Say, Father, I'm trusting you. What should I write in this letter? Write in that letter. Put it in the backpack. Encourage those kids. We'll have some literature on our Sunday morning and Wednesday night stuff for kids. What a great way to get it out there, right? And we know and we hope and we pray that the parents will read that as well. Amen? Of course, prayer walks are continuing to go on. Look at the map back there. You'll figure it out. Tamara didn't like something I said, so she left right now. No, she's here. She's just not here right now. All right, four ways to give. Like always, we got four ways to give. Um, you can give online. You can text to give. You can do the giving boxes back here. You can mail to 725 Granite Avenue, Helena, Montana, 59601. The app is a great way. The app has everything. So if you're ever not here a week and you think, boy, I wonder what's going on, there's the Thursday emails. They come every Thursday newsletter. But the, but the app has our bulletin on it. 
So it's like, I don't even have to grab a bulletin in church anymore. I can just go to the app and I can find out everything that's going on. So, so do that. I want to give you guys a quick update on Glenn Monroe. Um, it, it, gosh, it seems like a long time ago, but I think it was just two weeks ago. He made it through church, but at the end of church, he's like, boy, I'm just feeling a little different. Um, maybe I need to go. And then on the way home, he asked Bonnie, uh, you might need to take me to the ER. They went to the ER, I went up with them, they looked, they uh, went in and kind of scoped him, that's probably not the right terminology, but you know, they went in there and they said, uh, we're seeing things that shouldn't be there after what has happened prior, and you get to take a nice ambulance ride to Missoula, where they're going to evaluate you for open heart surgery. Um, they took him on Sunday. Uh, Monday, he met with the surgeons. They said, oh, yeah, you are the, the lucky winner of an all-inclusive quadruple bypass. And uh, they had to let all the medications <clears throat> that he had been on get out of his system. So they went ahead and they did surgery just this last Monday. Very successful. Great. Um, came through that. He was doing good Monday, Tuesday morning. His blood pressure dropped. Wasn't doing so good. The surgeon came in. They said, uh-oh, we got a little bit of an issue. We're just, we had so much fun, we're going to do it again. So they had to crack him back open again. I know, isn't that a terrible word? Wait, crack him back open. They ripped him right back open. And um, there was a couple things that, you know, anybody, you guys in here, when you do plumbing, Right, and you turn the water on, you're always like, oh, no drips, no drips, oh, there's no drips, and then the next day you find a drip. Well, they kind of found a little drip, so they went in there and they, they sewed that up and, and kind of did everything, closed him back up. Now, initially when he had surgery, they said, best case scenario, you can go home on Friday. Well, then they open him up again, and I'm thinking, gosh, this is not best case scenario. What's, what's going to happen here? What's, what's going on? But talking to to Bonnie. She called me every day and, and, and filled me in. And, and then lo and behold, I get a call Friday from Glenn. He's like, yeah, we're in Drummond. I'm like, you're in Drummond, huh? Yeah, I just Bonnie ran in the store to get some. I figured I'd call you on my way home. I'm like, wow, you're on your way home. Yeah, I'll probably see you Sunday. I'm like, that'd be great, but please don't. Um, I, love, I love seeing people in church. Just maybe not so soon after a quadruple bypass, double whammy, full meal deal. So they're not here. Continue to pray for them. But what I want to do, and, and you probably got the email on this, if we could just take up a, an offering for them. Glenn will be out of work for like eight weeks, best case scenario. So probably eight weeks. Um, but Amy's got a basket right there. We're just going to pass that basket around. If you feel led, just throw, throw a gift in there. If you do feel led, just, if you're going to write a check, write it just straight to the Monroes. Don't write it to the church. That'll complicate things. We just want to be able to say, here, here's a, here's a blessing for you guys um, and, and continue to get well. If you think of him, call him, text him, write him a card in the mail, all of those things. But uh, um, it sounds like he's progressing. The, the, when the uh, cardiologist here came in and we were all talking together, she was like, I'm mad. I'm mad because you've done everything correct. You've done everything right. But for some reason, his body said, nope, we don't like this. So I'm hoping and praying that this is the hump that he gets over. And then he's going to be, man, he'll feel like a, I'm not going to say 
teenager because teenagers are crazy right now. He's going to feel like a 20, okay, a 30-year-old. He's still going to have his logical senses to him and everything, but we're hoping and praying for that. So please, if you feel led, bless them, and, and uh, they're going to get through this. It's going to be awesome, and I would be surprised if he's not in church in a week's time. All right, you guys ready to roll? You guys ready to get started? Anybody? A few people? A few people are ready? All right. I hope you're here today and you're ready. I hope you're here today and you're ready to receive. Last week I, I alluded to what this message was going to be. So right now I'm going to allude what next week's message is going to be. Um, no, I'm not. I'm just going to say you need to be here next Sunday. I'm not kidding. You need to be here next Sunday. And I'm going to say this. Look around. Look around because there's still people that aren't coming to church on a regular basis. Blows my mind. Pre-COVID, they were regulars. Now they're not. Call them, invite them, tell them this is the Sunday you need to be in church. Invite friends. Friends that are kind of pseudo-church people, maybe Christmas, Easter people. Invite them, tell them, hey, my pastor said this is the one Sunday you need to be in church. Just tell them that. It's just the one. Yeah, I know. We're... I'm not even going to ask what you guys are going to be doing either. You know, you guys are going to miss it. That's okay. I'm sure you'll be glued to your phone online. But it'll be good because I'll catch you up when you get back. But for the rest of you, please, please, please be here. Um, I just want to help work through a process of, of really how, how we're treating church and how we're treating others and what that looks like. Amen? All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, once again, Lord, what an exciting day to be in church. Best day of the week. Best day of the week because we get to gather with one another. We get to worship our King. Man, this is better than any concert. This is better than any, any amusement park. This is better than anything because we're coming together with You. And Lord, today we get to focus on You with the act of communion. So Lord God, we strive towards You. Lord God, we need You. We need, we need what You have for us, not what the world has for us. Holy Spirit, use my words correctly. Everything out of my mouth, let them be of You and You alone. The Holy Spirit, if, if it's not of You, just shut me down. You've done that in the past. I love it when You just shut me down. But Lord, when You give me something, let me speak it boldly. And once again, I pray that nobody leave these doors. Nobody walk out this building the same way that they stepped in. Lord God, convict us. Challenge us. Expose things into our life. Confirm things within us that we just can't run from. And Lord God, help us to not have a desire to leave the same way. Lord God, help us to truly want everything that you have for each one of us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it out once again. Amen. All right. So last week we talked about each one of us being uniquely purposed. And uh, I hope you were encouraged through that message. It was, it was funny. I got a lot of different comments afterwards and throughout the week about just about that message and, and how it was encouraging, um, but how it was also a little bit challenging. I hope you were encouraged to think a bit differently, right? Once again, I'm going to tell you this. As Christians, we need to be thinkers, right? As Christians, we don't just go brain dead, do we? 
We're not supposed to. We continue to think. We continue to challenge ourselves. The heart brain connection that God creates is amazing. And, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you're encouraged to see yourself as the artwork, the masterpiece artwork that God has created. And I hope you're encouraged to share your unique and amazing story with those people that are around you because each of you has a unique and amazing story. The message was based on Ephesians 2.10 and here's the condensed version out of the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. God has some amazing things planned for you. He planned those long ago. And now we're just catching up to those things that He has planned. But we must understand that we are God's masterpiece. He created us to do just those things. As always, if you missed it, you can grab a watch or, or a listen on our app. A great place to do it is on, on our app, on Facebook page, on our YouTube channel, um, all those different places. Watch it, listen, re-watch it, re-listen, whatever you need to do. Today, today we are going to use this promise that we really talked about last week, this promise that we are uniquely purposed as a springboard to look deeper into really who we are and how we are wired. In your Bibles, in your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 right here. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and relentless in his search for believers, re relentless, mark that a relentless, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters of authority from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any men or women there belonging to the way, believers, followers of Jesus, the Messiah, men and women alike, he could arrest them and bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. We're going to stop there. This Saul... The Saul that I'm reading about right here, it sure sounds like he's a man with, with intention set against the followers of Christ. That being said, he would probably be quite popular today. This is actually the second time we read about Saul in the book of Acts. The first time we read about him is at the stoning of Stephen, the very first person that was martyred for his faith, for his belief in Jesus Christ. That's in Acts 7, 57 and 58. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and together rushed at him, Stephen, considering him guilty of blasphemy. Then they drove him out of the city and began stoning him. And the witnesses placed their outer robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Reading this, engaging our brain, having a greater understanding, we can look at this and it would suggest that Saul had some official part in the execution of Stephen. Within Saul's authority here, we can, we can surmise a few things. First of all, that Saul was an educated man and he was trained. He was trained in his faith. Second, 
Saul was devoted to his beliefs. And third, Saul had a lot of passion and a lot of zeal. Now, can we agree that none of those things are negative traits? Those are all positive traits. Those are all good things. In fact, they can be, be uh, seen as very strong personality qualities if you've ever taken a personality test or you went for a job interview and, and, and those type of traits arise. It's like, boy, this person, they got a lot of good qualities here. But the issue here with Saul is that he was using these things outside or apart from the revelation of the wholeness of God. See, there was an absent realization that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, as well as an absence of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So does that all really make that big of a difference? I don't know. Let's take a look at a few more, maybe more modern examples. Start by taking, for example, an Irish professor who held positions at both Oxford and Cambridge universities. His name is Clive Staples Lewis. Anybody recognize that name? Good old C.S. Lewis. And he is considered as one of the intellectual giants of the 20th century and arguably one of the most influential writers of this day. If you've ever read Mere Christianity, oh, goodness, that's a theologic gem. I mean, that'll point out questions that you've got to wrestle with. So, so he could write that, but what else did he write? He wrote Narnia, right? And then he writes things like the screw tape letters and the great divorce and all these different things in between. What an what a influential writer. Now, where faith was concerned, C.S. Lewis, he had actually, as a young child, he went to church, but he, he never... He never understood it. He never grabbed hold of it. And, and in his teens, in his early teens, he just kind of flat out rejected Christianity and uh, decided to become an atheist. And being an atheist for C.S. Lewis, it lasted through his 20s. Lewis eventually turned to Christianity in 1931, partly with the help of his close friend, another professor and author, J.R.R. Tolkien. Maybe you guys recognize that. Lord of the Rings, all those things. The Hobbit, all of that. Wouldn't you love to just <laughs> sit and listen to their conversations? Oh my goodness, it would be awesome. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. So here, in the case of C.S. Lewis, we see a man, a man that is gifted in literature, a highly educated man, and really a deep thinker. And he exhibited these traits, these traits right here, throughout his life as an atheist. As a secular professor, he achieved many accolades and was on the fast track to success. Many of the same things, the exact same things that we see in this person called Saul. Now here's the important thing to understand. Upon meeting Christ, C.S. Lewis didn't 
abandon his standing in the academic community. Rather, he used his position, his education, his past experiences, and his writing ability to glorify God. Remember from last week, where our purpose and our uniqueness intersect, that is where we experience and express the glory of God in our life. C.S. Lewis is the story of God getting a hold of someone and using them with all their talents, all their experiences, all their personality, and yes, all their past. See, those things were there. They just needed to be revealed by Christ through the revelation of Christ to allow Lewis to use them how the Lord had originally intended them to be used. See, there's no doubt when we come to Christ, we are made new. We are a new creation. How many of you guys are just so amazed and so thankful that we are a new creation in Christ? 2 Corinthians 2.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now we have to understand that this speaks of the spiritual transformation we experience and the 180 degree turn from the sinful man to the righteous man. That's what this is talking about. But what this doesn't mean is that our personality, our talents, our traits, our experiences, positive or negative, even our mistakes as well as our education and our position in the community are abruptly erased. They're not erased. They're still there. We still have the same name. We still live in the same house. We still have the same job. We are spiritually changed. We are spiritually transformed. And at that point, everything that is in our history, everything that is in our past, it is now refined and put use in glorifying God. At least it should be. At least that's His intent. Because remember, God knew us. He knew us before conception. Right? We know that. We read that last week. He wired us in a unique and specific way. Each with the ability to achieve amazing things for Him. But then sin gets in the way. And then worldliness gets in the way. And then selfish desires get in the way. It messes things up. It messes things up. And it causes us to use those things that God gifted us. Those designated abilities. We begin to use those outside of God's plan for our life. And it's a tragic, tragic thing. See, God wired us. But without Christ in our life, our wires get all tangled. And they get all messed up. For C.S. Lewis, meeting Jesus made everything make sense. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here saying, man, I remember my life before Jesus and nothing made sense. But at that point, I met Jesus, and, and every day afterwards, things start to make sense. Why was I so good at this before? 
It doesn't make sense why I was so good at that, but then I meet Jesus. Now I understand what those qualities and those gifts were really about. See, everything that had that C.S. Lewis had accomplished and everything that he went through could now be used for a passionate life of serving his Lord and Savior. How wonderful and glorious that is. That's a pretty amazing and encouraging story, isn't it? We could, we could just end right here. We could just end right here and you could leave saying, wow, that's C.S. Lewis. That was pretty crazy. I never knew he was an atheist. But boy, when he changed, he changed full force. And when he changed, he began to use all of those things for God. Uh, that's that's pretty, pretty great story. That's a pretty, pretty amazing story. I'm going to feel good about myself this next week. Let's wait till church next Sunday. But we're not going to do that. Because even though that's a pretty amazing story, it's not that rare. It's unique. But if we look, we begin to see it all over the place. Take, for example, Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary. In fact, her first husband, Jim Elliot, was killed in 1956 while attempting to make missionary contact with the Aku people in eastern Ecuador into the spear. You ever hear of that book? Read that book? See that movie? This is who we're talking about here. Here we have someone who experienced a great tragedy with the death of her husband. It wasn't, and as tragic as, as losing a loved one to a sickness, or even losing a loved one to, to a, an automobile accident, this tragedy was different because of how he died and what they did to him. It was violent. It was beautiful. Um, it was terrible. Brutal. Even as a Christian, she must have questioned God and His will. After all, her husband was doing so many great things. He was, he was working for God. He was stepping out in faith. And this happens. And she had to try to ra rationalize that. And I have to believe there were times when she prayed and she just wanted God to take the pain and the memories and the hurt away. But despite the hardship of losing her husband, God had wired Elizabeth long ago. He had placed desires and abilities and capabilities within her. Now listen close. Elizabeth Elliot made a choice to continue to glorify God in her life and trust Him with both her past and with her future. She later spent two years as a missionary to the tribe members who had killed her husband. How does that happen? How can you do that? How could you ever forgive those that took her husband away from them enough to go back and to share Jesus with them? Well, there's only one way that that can happen. And then later in her life, returning to the United States after many, many, many years in South America, she became widely known as the author of over 20 books and as a speaker. 
She is considered as one of the most influential Christian women of the 20th century. Elliot toured this country, sharing her knowledge and her experiences well into her 70s. So don't tell me God won't draw near to you and use you through your tragedy. Elizabeth Elliot was wired by God, just like C.S. Lewis, to bring glory to God. It's another great story, isn't it? It's another encouraging story. It's another story that we can look at and draw from and say, boy, I've had tragedy in my life. And it, and it sure shook me. And, and I'm kind of in that tragedy and I, I don't know what to do. And some of you else, I know, I can hear you. I can hear your brains right now. You're saying, okay, okay, pastor. That was another great story. But you don't understand me. Because I'm not a professor at some famous university. I'm not a missionary. My life has been quite the opposite. And to that I would say, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, you are absolutely right. You're a mess. You're a total mess. Live there. Just, just be that mess. It's my mistake. I'm sorry I spoke that to you this morning. It's, it's my error. Or, or, or should I say it's God's mistake. God doesn't make mistakes, though. Even, with life, even when life gets messy. Teresa Stanfield. That's probably a, a name. That's probably someone you've never heard of. But I'll tell you this. Her story is just as powerful and unique as C.S. Lewis's and Elizabeth Elliot's. See, Teresa, Teresa grew up in a stable home in an affluent area, a nice community. And, and as a young girl, she went to church. Every Sunday, she went to church with her family. Yet even though she went to church every week, she always felt away from God. She always felt apart from God. As a little girl, she experienced abuse from the next-door neighbor. And she also struggled to deal with her parents' eventual divorce. Her very first sip of alcohol was at age 12. And she liked how drinking seemed to make her forget the pain and the shame that she was feeling. As a teenager, she became more rebellious and at the young age of 17 started using cocaine and heroin. The next 20 years of her life were a blur of jails, treatment centers, prison. And though she longed for, for hope and to, to be the mother her two children needed, she just couldn't see a way out of her addiction. And she found herself sentenced to prison once again. But it was in that prison that she met Jesus. It was in that prison that everything changed. And though she was behind bars, hopelessness changed to hope. And bondage changed to freedom. Now we fast forward. We're going to fast forward. 
Teresa is now 12 years free from addiction. And, and she knows. She knows. Teresa knows that Jesus has called her to share hope with other incarcerated women and men. As a prison ministry volunteer, Teresa pours into the lives of women with pasts resembling her own. See, what we have to understand here is, is that God, God did not erase her past. God is using her past. God is using her past to heal Teresa. God is using her past to reach others. Ultimately, God is using her past to glorify Himself. That brings us back to Saul. Acts 19 details the moment that Saul first met Christ. It's, a, it's an amazing story, and I would encourage you guys to read that on your own. Because if I get into that, I'm telling you, it's so exciting. We're going to be here all day long. And I know you probably don't want to be here all day long, just most of the day. So I encourage you, get into Acts 19. Read this, this conversion moment where Saul, man, he gets, he gets knocked he gets blinded. All this great stuff happens. But what I want to do is drop down to verse 19. So, uh, not, I said wrong. It's Acts 9. Acts 9, we're going to go into verse 19. And let's see what happens after Saul meets Jesus. For several days afterward, Saul remained with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately... Immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, saying, This man is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. All those who heard him continued to be amazed and surprised. And it was awkward. And said, Is this not the man who in Jerusalem attacked those who called on the name of Jesus? and had come here to Damascus for the express purpose of bringing them bound with chains before the chief priests. Now, of course, Saul is Paul, right? We're talking about the same person here. And upon encountering Jesus Christ, he became a new creation in Christ, a new creation in his spirit. He was reborn. Spiritually, he became alive. And then Paul did something pretty amazing. He then used his prior life. He then used his prior education, his prior passion, even his prior mistakes to preach and to prove that Jesus is the Christ. You see, Paul, Paul needed his past. Paul needed his past. And it was his past that prepared him for his future. When our past intersects with Christ, the true purpose of our future is realized. You guys hear that? You guys need to understand that. It's when our past intersects with Christ that the true purpose for our future is realized. Why? Because we're uniquely purposed. Aren't we? We're uniquely purposed. There is a job that God desires us to do. And guess who needs to do it? 
that one that was uniquely purposed to do that. And part of being uniquely purposed involves your past, your past experiences, your past education, your past mistakes, your past screw-ups. God wants to take those things and use them for your future. Now we know Paul continued on. He didn't stop here. Man, he started fast. He was excited and he never slowed down. He continued on ministering, proclaiming Christ, planting churches. And it's credited, by the way, for, oh, writing just 13 books of the Bible. What an incredible change. What an amazing biblical account for Paul and for C.S. Lewis and for Elizabeth Elliot and for Teresa Stanfield. Who they once were was imperative and complementary to who they became for Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? Here's what I want you to hear today. You guys listening? I'm, I'm speaking to you individually right now. I'm not speaking to you as a church body. I'm speaking to you individually. When you hear this, don't, don't say, oh, yeah, that, that, oh, so-and-so should have heard this. Or, or, man, I hope so-and-so heard this. Don't do that. I'm speaking to you today as an individual, and this is what I want you to hear. God wired you in a specific and unique way for His glory. Sin, to some degree, came in and distorted that. Maybe, maybe you're one of those that, that your life went completely haywire. You've had a chaotic life for as long as you can remember. Maybe that was you. And, and for others, maybe, maybe that sin came in. You were born into that sin. You continued to live in that sin. Maybe, maybe that sin just distracted you. Maybe it's still distracting you. Maybe you just have never come to the monumental realization that, that Christ desires to be glorified by you. And you guys have come to that realization and if you come to that realization, then why do you continue to treat yourself the way you do? Hard question. It's only a question that you can answer yourself. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I know where many of you are, and sometimes that's such a burden for me. But I don't know where each one of you are individually. But I do know that who you are right now and your past experiences, positive or negative, up to this point, have made you who God needs you to be for the future. Despite what others have said to you, and I'm, I'm telling you what, other people come into our lives, they judge us, they rate us. They say all sorts of things to us. So despite what others have said or have not said, and regardless of what culture and social norms tries to dictate or influence us with, 
aside from and beyond the hurts, the, the pains, the mistakes, the heartaches, and the adversity. It is God Himself who wired you to the specifications of His will and His desire for His glory. I want you guys to believe that. I want you to leave here today not the same because you've opened the door to believing that. See, it's those things that are replete with His love, His grace, His mercy, His passion, His desire, and His will. See, those are the things that come into our life. And we get wired right. And we begin to look at our past. And we begin to see how many doors are opened because of those things that we had to endure in our past. I'll be honest with you. Some of you guys are you're trying to run from your past so hard you are losing sight of what God wants to do with you now. You are actually limiting your usage for the kingdom of God. God's desire is that you use what's in your head and what's in your heart. He desires you to learn from your past. He desires you to see your past through His eyes. He desires you to stop living in this cycle of self-condemnation. He also desires you to stop judging the brothers and sisters that are around you, despite what their past may or may not have been. Think about it. Think about it for a second. What if Paul would have turned his back on his past? I once was this. I once was highly educated, trained to the highest, a Jew of the Jews. Man, I was in it. I was in the synagogues. I had so much passion and zeal for, for the law. Man, to the point of I was going to go chain those Christians because I thought they were wrong. I have all of this built up right here. All my theologic understanding. I have all of that. But now I'm a new creation in Christ. That isn't me. I'm, I'm just going to disregard all of those things. And then Paul would have started, I, I hate to say it, but as, a, as an ignorant Christian because he's denying all the things that he knew. All the while, God and the Holy Spirit is saying, but look at this. Look at how this wire and this wire connect. And this wire and this wire can connect. Read some of his epistles. That is a very educated theologian writing those epistles inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write those things through the filter of his past. Oh, what a wretched man am I, referring to who he was, but also proclaiming the glory of who he is now. What a tragedy it would have been if Paul would have turned his back on his past. What if C.S. Lewis had walked away from writing? Could you imagine the things we would be without? Now, I am fully entertained by the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. 
I mean, the movies are okay, but the books are amazing, right? I'm thoroughly entertained with that, right? There's good, wholesome, it's, it's good stories. But then I look at mere Christianity once again, and I think, boy, what if our Christian fellowship, what if new believers, what if atheists did not have the book Mere Christianity to read through? What if C.S. Lewis would have said, oh, that was me. I have to walk away from my position at the university. I have to walk away from all that influence because that's who I once was. Could you imagine what the world, the Christian world, the impact for Christ? Can you imagine all of that gone? What if Elizabeth Elliot had never returned to the mission field in Ecuador? Would they have been reached for Christ? I don't know. In God's will, I would hope so. But my goodness, when she stepped onto that mission field and encountered those who had murdered her husband, what were they thinking? Crazy white woman? Maybe we should listen. Great things happened. What if she had turned her back on all of those things? What if she would have never written books about her experiences? How many people through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has been inspired by her books to go into missions? Never stop using your past. Never stop using your training. Never stop using your education. Never stop using your experiences. Never stop Never stop using your trauma or your mistakes to further God's kingdom. Don't do those things. Allow God to use those things. Each one of you in here, once again, has an amazing, unique story. Don't edit that story all the way down to some short, G-rated, happy little mess of a tale. Let your full story out. God will, God will be glorified. And I'll tell you this, people will be amazed. Man, I always thought you were kind of wacky. But now that I hear the rest of your story, that's amazing. That is amazing that you went from there to here. That is amazing that there's, there's a so-called God who loved you enough to take you from there to here. That's amazing. I needed to hear that because of where I am. Well, yeah, that's because I'm uniquely purposed by God for such a time as this to speak to you at this hour about what He has done in my life and to convey to you if He did it in my life, He can do it in yours. That's the common theme about all these people. Saul, C.S. Lewis, Elizabeth, all of them. They would always tell you, if God can do that in me, He can do it in you. Not only can He do it, He wants to do it. I want you to remember something today. I want you to remember that being healed from your past is very different than running from your past. Right? And really, those are the only two options you got. Run to God with your past. He will heal you, He will equip you, and He will use you. Stop looking in the mirror 
and thinking about all those tragic mistakes I made all my life. Oh my gosh, how could I ever be worthy to do such things? You can't ever be worthy to do such things. But when God comes in and He straightens out those wires, He is more than worthy to use those in such things. Come and meet with me and try to tell me and convince me that we live in a community that does not need to hear your crazy story. You come on. I would invite you. My door is always open. I want to hear you justify yourself in telling me why your story isn't beneficial and useful to the kingdom of God. It is. So speak it. Share it. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to go out and use these, 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 these great 80s and 90s um, references. Hey, it's the Romans Road. It's the ABCs. It's the 12 steps to salvation that you've got to memorize and share. And, and it's all biblical. And it's all, oh, that's wonderful. And it's great. And get them to a Billy Graham crusade and all of that. I'm not asking you to do any of that. You know what? I'm not even asking you to invite people to church. What I'm asking you to do is simply share your story and understand that you were uniquely purposed and wired for such a time as this. There are people out there right now and they're simply waiting. They're waiting. They're pacing the floor. They're waiting. What are they waiting for? They have no idea what they're waiting for. But once you begin to speak to them and share your story, that's everything that they've been waiting for all their life. They need that revelation. They need that realization that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one who takes away sins, the one who died for them. And through His mercy, grace, and love has so much for them. So why can't God just do that to them? Because God always involves His people. Because as much as it blesses them, it's going to bless you as well. Amen? Oh. We start off born into this world and our wires are a crossed up, tangled up mess. I love fishing. You know what I don't like about fishing? I don't like the tangles. Now I never tangle. My own lines, it's when I, when I go with Levi or Cello or, or people, it's like, oh my gosh, I messed it up again. i got to untangle this. But, but I've come to the point where, where there's, there's satisfaction in untangling a mess, right? It's hard to explain. It's like Zahn will come in and she'll be like, yeah, we're screwing around with this jump rope and it's a ball. She's like, can you fix it? And it's like, I can fix that. And I start working my way. And sometimes it's easy. And so, oh, wow, that was easy. And other times it's like, how did this happen? Um, extension cords. <laughs> Anybody other than Doyle in here wind an extension cord the wrong way and it gets all tangled up in a mess? Right? And it's like, i got to untangle that mess. It's like, I'll untangle it. I like untangling messes. It's so much fun. And it's probably I've missed out on so many fish because instead of just cutting my line and retying the knot, I'm sitting there going, well, I can do this. 
I can do this. There's satisfaction in untangling a mess. And God is standing right now in heaven saying, you're a mess. Your wires are a mess. I take satisfaction in untangling you, you little mess of a person. Now let me untangle you and let me straighten you out through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in that mess. Allow me to straighten out your wire the way I wired you. Let me make that straight and begin to live in the glory of God. See, that's what happens when we come to Jesus. When we get born again, that happens. Now, unfortunately, as, as Christians, as, as the not-so-smart sheep that we are, many times what we do is we say, God, this is amazing. This is so cool. My wires are no longer crossed. They're not a mess anymore. Look at this. I have, I have a pretty clear revelation of not only you, but what my future holds and what I need to be doing. And then two hours later, you're over there and you're messing it all up again. Or you're jumping into sin, you're engaging in sin, you're, you're falling into temptation, and you're messing that wire back up again. We come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent. Help me to turn from those sins. Help me to realize who I am in You. Help me understand that I am uniquely purposed in You. And you know what, you know what Jesus does? He said, oh, there's a mess, I'm going to untangle it again. Jesus is always untangling our messes. I would encourage you to stop making your own messes. Every time we try to deny our past, it's denying that we were wired by God, right? Yes, we are a new creation. Yes, I am crucified with Christ. I am all of those things, but I'm boldly and amazingly equipped by the Holy Spirit in conjunction with my past. Come to Christ. Come to Christ on a daily basis. Some of you guys come to Christ on an hourly basis and allow Him to keep your wires straight. Worship team, if you guys, you guys would want to come up here we are going to enter into a time of, of communion here. And, and uh, I'll be honest, like, like Cello asked me, he's like, why are we doing communion on this Sunday? Don't we always do it on the first or second Sunday of the month? I said, long ago, um, the second Sunday was always communion Sunday, but I didn't like that because it became a somewhat repetitious thing, right? These are just my views on communion. Communion should not be taken like it's just, oh, it's a, communion. Oh, today's the day. I better go to church today. We're doing communion because something special or I'll get punished if I don't take communion. So let's go through the normal communion process. And there's a lot of liturgical churches that go through this, this, this memorized process of communion. And it drives me nuts because communion is so amazing. It is so incredibly special. The, the fact that we get to partake in communion should never be taken lightly. So communion's all over the place. So on a communion Sunday, most of the time, I will be like, I have no idea what we're doing for communion today. 
I don't know how it's going to look. I, I don't know that. Um, and today was the same way, and, and thank God, and during worship, God said, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this. And it was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And I'll tell you this, it, 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 uh, it has a lot to do with what next week's message is. So can I encourage you guys to come to next week's message? Unless, of course, you're on your honeymoon or something like that. They're going to have a written note. They're going to give it to me. They're excused. None of you, none of you, the rest of you are excused. Bring people. Again, I said, look around. Bring people who are not here. Bring them to church for this next Sunday. But while I'm worshiping, God simply said, make this communion all about the relationship between me and my believer. Not me and my church. A lot of times we'll do communion and it's a community thing. This morning God impressed upon me that this morning for this time of communion we need to make it about us and Him personally. Now I don't mind if couples kind of share a couple words. Just don't feed each other like wedding cake or anything. Okay guys? It's not a practice time. But I want you guys to almost isolate yourself with the Lord in this communion today. This communion will be all about communing with the Lord. Period. Let's make it that, okay? Like I said, sometimes we do it differently today. So please, pray before you receive your communion. Hold your elements. We will take them all together. But get with God on a very, 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 very personal note. In this church, we serve an open communion. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a staunch Assemblies of God person, none of that. All we ask is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And oh, by the way, if you can't say that you do right now, meet me right up here. We'll fix that real quick so that you can take communion and celebrate this great time. Dave is going to lead us. I will open these up. Whenever you are ready, come on forward Ooh. and grab, grab your elements. Everybody served that needs to be served? Yeah? The lights are right on my face. It's probably blinding you guys, huh? Bouncing off my forehead. Like I said, today's communion is, is all about us and Him. So separate yourself from really everything, all the noise, all the cares of this world, and focus solely on Jesus. Focus on our Lord, our Savior, our Provider, our Redeemer. That one who gave his life for each one of us. The one who takes us from who we were to who we now are. And who we are has to do with our entire life. How beautiful is it that when we come to him, he doesn't throw the old lump of clay away. No, he keeps that old lump of clay. And he begins to twist it and, and spin it a little faster. And, and he he applies a little bit of pressure here. And, and boy, for some of us, he applies a lot more pressure here. And, and oh, there's a rocky lump that he works out and he throws that away. But, but the clay is the same. Allow the potter 
to have your clay. Allow him to make you into the person that he desires you to be. Because he needs you. He needs you for a unique assignment. Because you are uniquely purposed. You are a masterpiece. God has made you a masterpiece. Now God wants to show off that masterpiece into a dark and dismal community. He has turned us each into a beautiful lamp. Allow that lamp to be lit. To not have a basket over it but to shine into the darkness. I can't convey enough that there are people right now living in hopelessness, living in despair, living in the shadow of death. And they need your story. That's all I'm asking. Just share your story. Watch their facial expressions. It's going to be wonderful. Share your story with them about the power of Christ's redemption in your life. Because here's the deal. No one knows that better than you. You are the expert in this area. Now use that. Everybody will stand up with me. These are the words of Paul, the apostle, the one who made so many terrible tragedies and mistakes before. But God rewired him and he used him. And now, now pretty much every church uses this passage that he wrote. For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you. I received it. Now I'm delivering it. I'm extending it to each one of you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is so much being wrapped up into this. And as, as, as amazing this is from a theological perspective, it's even more amazing on the personal side of things that Jesus invites us into this communion with Him. Today, we are celebrating with Him all the things that He has done and that He is doing and that He will do, including His return, including the new covenant, including being broken for you, dying upon that cross so that you may live. Jesus Himself loves you so much and thinks so much of you that He says, share this with me this morning I invite you to share that with him in a very personal profound and powerful way take your bread Father we thank you that you sent your son to become the bread Lord God the bread that would be broken but also the bread that feeds us in this realization, this combined realization 
Lord God, let us be changed and equipped that though the bread was broken, the bread continues to nourish us. Go ahead and take your bread. And likewise, Father, we thank you that you have given us the new covenant born out of the blood of Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for voluntarily going to the cross and shedding the blood, the blood, the power of the blood to wash away sin. And Jesus, thank you that according to the will of your Father and by his design, Lord, you didn't stay dead. The blood washed the sins away. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you came back to life. You resurrected, proving to us that there is more than just this life that we see. But there is hope in you. The blessed assurance for the resurrection of the dead. We proclaim that we are followers born again of you. We live in the new covenant and we look forward to your return. Go ahead and take your juice. So, Father, by all these things, we glorify your name. By the name of Jesus, we lift you high. We proclaim the same blood upon our community. That, Lord God, that hearts will turn toward you. And, Lord God, not in a distant or abstract way, but, but Lord God, we ask that hearts be turned to you by way of us being obedient and glorifying each one of you. Lord, thank you. And help us to, to just be excited that we are uniquely purposed for such a time of this for your glory. Thank you. We speak this and proclaim this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King, our Redeemer. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Be here next week. If you need extra prayer, there's people here available. Invite those that you don't see here today. Get them back to church next week. Pick them up. Do whatever you need to do. Be blessed and have a powerful and amazing week in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.